having a a daughter enter the dance world is very scary because the dance world I entered was very scary. <laughs> yeah. And I know it's changing, but you know, I'm I'm a pretty impatient person. I'm like not fast enough. Welcome to the Artist Becoming Podcast. Hey Jess. Hey Shelby, a five, six, seven, eight. Join us in weekly conversations with performing artists across stages, studios, rinks, fields, and screens. Every conversation, a chance to dive deep into the story of their becoming. All right, Shelby, let's get on into it. This episode's conversation features our guest, Ashley Bowder, a principal ballerina with the New York City Ballet. She's a mother, director, teacher, founder of the Ashley Bowder Project, more recently a children's book author, and above all else, a true artist becoming. Let's get into it. Hello, Ashley Bowder. It is our absolute honor to welcome you to Artist Becoming. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. Hello. Thank you for having me. Wow. I, I just got a heart flutter because I just have so many memories of you in, in my life, growing up, going to SAB, seeing you on the big stage and watching you get married and become a mother (laughs) (laughs) and be back on stage for sugar plum shortly after. And just so many milestones that even from a distance, I feel like I've experienced so intimately. And it is just, it's an honor to share your story with our guests today. So Thank you for that. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Make me um, feel good from the start. <laughs> oh, good, good. Well, it is, um, we've kind of been making a habit of starting at some version of your beginning of your artistic becoming, um, which is of course the namesake of our, of our podcast and our mission, just to highlight the stories of artists that have shown up in a very different and unique way to leave their art forms better than they found them. And we see you as, as an artist doing just that in real time. Um, so we thought we'd ask you to start by walking us through perhaps some of the kind of either milestones or pivotal moments of your journey into your becoming. Um, well, I think, you know, I, um, when I was little, my teacher, um, of course I did like the kind of roles that I'm known for those like fireworky, like woo split jump kind of things. Um, but she also, um, my teacher is Marcia Delwery and she made this huge emphasis on doing a lot of slow adagio things, potatoes and things like that. And, um, you know, she always like wanted to pull more feeling out of me. So from the beginning, I think that I was always encouraged to do that. And then for a long time I had like I didn't set it aside, but I got kind of into these niche roles. And one of the big endeavors of my career is to go back to those things that I practiced so much when I was little. And I think that, you know, I'm always somebody who um, thrives through uh, negative feedback. Like if you tell me I can't do something, I'm like, oh, please just watch. (laughs) And um, I I think I was like nine years old. Um, I got this review probably in the local paper or something um, that called me a dour faced little girl. Um, I was doing some little pas de and uh, like the lead in a little kid ballet. And um, I guess I didn't smile (laughs) at all. (laughs) It was very serious. Um, And 
I that like really stuck with me. I was like, I like I love dancing. How can you call me that? I didn't even know what that word meant. I had like, asked my mom, like, what does dower mean? And my mom was like, oh, not good. <laughs> um, so, you know, like, and now I find that funny because I've gotten like reviews as a professional dancer for being too far on the other side for enjoying myself too much. Now, as a professional, I get reviews that go the total opposite that I enjoy my dancing too much. I remember getting a review. I don't remember who wrote it. And it was, I think I might have still been in the core um, that said I had a smile like the Cheshire cat. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's not good. Yeah. Um, and, you know, have, you know, I've got reviews that say I smile too much to the audience and, you know, things like that. And I'm like, wow, but like, I really just like love what I'm doing at that moment. So if my smile is too big, like, sorry, yeah. like, I really like doing this fast footwork. So you're just going to have to enjoy it with me. <laughs> <laughs> wow. No, I'm just realizing as we're, as you're telling your story, like, out of all these conversations we've had, and we've had maybe, you know, 40 of them now with incredible artists and athletes, we've never once talked about reviews. And we've had all these conversations about, you know, well-being and criticism and finding your identity. And I just, I can't believe the review concept hasn't come up because it played, looking back on it, it was such an enormous part of my career, I remember performing and feeling that ecstasy of the present moment and the next morning, refreshing, refreshing, refreshing my server to find the review. And I could have been like a core member at the back of the very back corner playing a tree, but like clinging to the thought that maybe someone would have noticed me <laughs> and feeling like I'd failed if my name wasn't mentioned or then if it is, maybe it's good, maybe it's bad. And I feel like I've gotten, I had a point, especially when I was like coming up through the ranks and people are paying a lot of attention to you, um, like thriving on reviews and getting a lot of good ones. And then every time I got a bad one, it was like devastating. And I remember going on that website, Ballet Alert and seeing what the general public thought and like yes. literally going on like every day and going like, what is wrong with me at some point like this you know yeah like we're doing this art form for we're performers we're performing for people but having my like confidence level hinge on what other people think of my dancing um really got to me in a very bad way at a certain point and um now like i went through a period where i just didn't read reviews anymore yeah. um and you know one person who actually like helped me to stop reading reviews was Megan Fairchild because she stopped reading reviews. Yeah, she told me that. And um, that I was like, well, if she can do it, I can do it. Like, like I'm just going to cut myself off. And I kind of went cold turkey and just was like, <laughs> I, you know, I like, you know, hey, critics, I don't, I, I don't care. Like I'm dancing. I love dancing. I love what I do. You're not going to take that away from me. Um, and now I like I read reviews, but I don't always like look for it. You know, every once I'm like, oh, like I wonder if there was a review. Let me look in the Times and see, you know, what Gia Corliss said or uh -huh. whatever. Um, and even if they're bad, I kind of go like, you know what? 
like I, I don't care <laughs> like you know and like there was a point actually where I felt like I was getting corrections through reviews from critics from non-professional dancing critics from non-professional dancing critics and I was just kind of like you know what like this has gone too far for me and you know you don't you know what you're looking at but you don't know what it's like to be the dancer and you know you don't even know also I think like when people are writing this and they're watching us like you don't know what my coach said like you don't like my interpretation this is exactly how i was coached to do it like i'm doing exactly what my boss told me to do <laughs> and so take it up with them <laughs> like you know like you didn't like you know the way i was acting in this part well that's how i was coached to do it and of course a lot of it is you as an artist doing it but you know to a certain extent you have to do what the people above you are asking you to do as well yeah Totally. It's a team. Yeah. It's, it's the, you're going out there and performing, but there is an entire tribe and team and history that has informed the performance that you are giving. Yeah. I mean, wow. exactly. And like, you know, sometimes you like the people you're dancing with a lot and sometimes, you know, you just had a fight. <laughs> yeah. hundred yeah, percent. And you feel weird, <laughs> you know, about it. And, you know, we're human, like things happen and you know, yeah. sometimes you're just having a bad day. It's true. I'm um, so that's a, that's another thing actually that we haven't gotten into quite as much of is like partner dynamics with, with dancers that you dance with. And I guess at most of the major companies, when you've reached the principal level, you're sort of paired with certain people, right. That are become, you, you build relationships with them. And I'm curious, like, what has that experience been like for you? And yeah, I remember standing in the doorway at San Francisco ballet and seeing some of my favorite ballerinas and getting in fights with their partners. And, you know, I remember feeling that in my own experience and having people that I just I can still remember the feeling of like their sweat. I loved dancing with them so much. And then people who you were just like, don't touch me. <laughs> so I'm curious, yes. what, what has your experience been like with that? Like with the, the intercompany dynamic? Yeah, I think um, as a young dancer um, growing up, I was so strong that I was always partnered with the inexperienced partners mm. because I was always on my leg or like I would hold that passe until I was nearly on the floor so that I could give you the opportunity to pick me up. You know, I didn't like fall out of things or like wiggle or do things. I yeah. just held myself and I went up to you, dude. Um, <laughs> and that has been kind of something that's bothered me my whole career because that, that, that has followed me. I always get put with the guy who might be a little too short or, you know, doesn't have as, as much experience or, you know, has a learning curve. Um, Mm -hmm. because I am strong and it's actually injured me. Yeah. Um, I, I got some really, really bad tendonitis um, once from being held off of my leg in Ponche um, in, a, in a really difficult ballet um, that had months of rehearsal and I, my, my ankle never quite recovered. I still, I have like a tear in that tendon now. Um, and, you know, and I complained the whole time. I, you know, I said like, listen, like I, something bad is going to happen here. Like, this isn't going to be a good show. Like I, you know, I can't like, why am I always the one? <laughs> and, um, you know, and like, I can't really complain that much. I did have some really wonderful partners. Like I, you know, I got to dance with Damien Wetzel 
in his last few years and do a lot with him. My first full length ballet ever um, when I was 20, I did Sleeping Beauty with Damien. And uh, um, and I got to dance with Andrew Vayette for a lot of my career. And he's you know, he did um, he and I did Stars and Stripes for our SAB workshop. Um, so we've been dancing together since I think I was like 15 and he was 17. We've been paired together um, frequently. And, you know, I just I never have to worry with him. And I danced with Benjamin Millipier for um, a lot of years. But in between that, you know, it's like there's been times where I'm like, come on, you know. Um, and now, like, I feel like I'm I'm old, you know, I'm like kind of in my late 30s. Can I like I, I can't do it anymore. I don't want to do it anymore. Can somebody just take care of me so I can, <laughs> I can do my solo nicely and not feel like something hurts? Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, also, you know, it's like you are a little more forgiving when you're dancing with one of your friends and i've had the experience where you know like for, especially for like nutcracker yeah. for sugar plum i'm like you know if it's a friend of mine who i think you know deserves to do the cavalier and you know they're not quite sure about his partnering i'm like i'll dance with him it's nutcracker like whatever yeah like a little bit more forgiving we've all done nutcracker gigs on horrible tiny stages and had weird things happen and you know i'm like for things like that i'm like okay but um you know for the most part i just i just want to be taken care of now <laughs> i feel like you've earned that and it actually like hearing you speak of these names i mean you were such a young star at new york city ballet that you've been able to uniquely experience a pretty dramatic evolution. Um, I, I think so. I think when I got in, there was this overload of extremely talented principal men that I got to dance with. I mean, there were extremely talented women, but you know, I'm not partnering with them. Um, yet. <laughs> but, <laughs> yet. but you know, I got to dance with, um, like I got to do, um, Polyhymnia and Apollo, but I got to do it with Nikolai Huba and Peter Bowl, mm. you know, and I did both of in their retirement shows. I did that role with both of them for their retirements. I got to dance with Jacques Soto in his retirement yeah. and literally just be like floated off stage by Jacques. That was like the, the last time he touched me as a professional and he, I, he, I was above his head and I was like, Oh my gosh, like, this is like, I stopped crying and Chills. Um, yeah. And you know, just Philip Neal, I got to do First Movement Brahms, which is so romantic and sweepy, and he's so romantic. And, um, you know, I watched him do it with Kira Nichols, who was my, like, when I got in the company, like, I wanted to be Kira. Like, yeah. just hands down, my my favorite, loved her. I sit in her dressing room spot now. When she retired, I, I got to take her desk. Um, and, you know, like, her mom said to me, um, like Sally Street's obviously very famous. She's just like that incredible family. And um, I was standing right outside her dressing room um, waiting to just, you know, say, I love you, happy retirement. I got to do Russian Girl to her Waltz Girl and Serenade in the show. Um, and she said, carry on the tradition. Oh. And I was like, oh. <laughs> you know, um, but I, like, but I got, yeah, I, I got into New York City Ballet when all of these incredible 
stars who've gone on to absolutely incredible things after <laughs> their careers. And I got to like dance with them for a long time. It felt like. Yeah. It's amazing. I mean, I have such, I have such memories of those times and thinking about, we spoke with Megan Fairchild a, a number of months ago as well here on the pod. And, you know, it's like, it's a very unique responsibility. Um, it's a unique responsibility that you guys have as like senior principal dancers now of a company that has evolved in many, many, many ways since you got in, right? Professionally, personally, emotionally, mentally, structurally. I mean, there's, you've witnessed and had to process and navigate every brand of change at New York City Ballet. And that is not for the faint at heart, <laughs> and, um, right? Because yeah. you have people, you have people at the top that you're now becoming closer to. You have people at the bottom that are looking up to you. There's a lot of reconciliation behind where your loyalties lie. And, yeah. it's, and then on top of that, all of everyone's feelings have become very public and slapped onto social media and who do you side with and what are you representing and who are you advocating for? And, you know, that was, that was not necessarily a thing uh, 50 years ago, you know, it really wasn't like, and we lived in a totally different culture. Um, you know, there, there was a, a lot of sexism, a lot of racism, a lot of, um, inappropriate things going on behind the scenes, um, that, you know, when when I got into New York City Ballet over 20 years ago, you, you didn't even blink at it because it happened all the time and nobody was saying it was wrong. And even if you thought it was wrong, it was the norm. Yeah. And what do you do with that? And for me getting into New York City Ballet when I was 16, I was a kid literally thrown into a lion's den of inappropriateness <laughs> of the entire dance world, not exclusive to New York City Ballet, like the entire dance world. All of it. And you know, now, like, looking back, I go, Oh, my God, what happened to me? And, you know, I think that we were all part of the problem at some point. Like, we were all complicit in things, even if we didn't do anything, we didn't say anything. Yeah. But who was there to say something to, you know, companies didn't have HR or official Mm -hmm. avenues of complaint or concern or any of those things that we have now. Um, which this cultural shift is so amazing. Yeah. You know, New York City Valley finally has an HR department and a head of HR that is really accessible and answers her email right away. And, yeah. you know, her door is open and it's really wonderful um, to have that kind of change. And for me, it's, you know, becoming a mom too with a little girl that just started her ballet lessons this year and, you know, has her first show actually on my birthday is her first show ever. Um, I'm like, I'm so excited. I'm going to cry the whole time. Um, (laughs) But uh, having a a daughter enter the dance world is very scary because the dance world I entered was very scary. (laughs) And I know it's changing, but you know, I'm, I'm pretty impatient person. I'm like, not fast enough. And For me, I look around, especially at the women in the dance world, I look around at my colleagues, I look around at those people who just got in the company, I look around at my students um, and the students at SAB and in general, and I look at some, like the young kids, like my daughter, and I, you know, I think if I don't stand up and say what happened to me and, you know, try to change it, if anything happens to those people that I know and love, 
or especially my daughter, like I'll never be able to forgive myself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I like I came across this quote um, that I think I posted on my Instagram that was like, you know, strong women stand up for themselves, stronger women stand up for others. Yeah. Um, and that's what like I'm trying to do. I felt like I was silent about a whole bunch of stuff for so long that now like that makes me uncomfortable. Yeah. But also and I feel guilty. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I think a lot of people are experiencing that guilt and there's of course like hindsight's 2020. We're now in an environment that advocates for people advocating for themselves. And you know, that was not the case. Um No, even- you know, actually when I started like um to do social media, I started with Twitter, I think like a lot of it, I mean, Facebook, but like the the real big breakthrough was Twitter. And um, there was like a New York Times article and I I got to be on the cover of the New York Times, which was so weird. Um, And not for my dancing, it was for my Twitter account. Oh my God. I think there were a few of us in there. I, I know Dan, Daniel Simkin was in it. I was in it. And I, maybe a couple of other dancers, like I really can't remember. It was so long ago. I mean, I was below the fold. So like you didn't see me, but um, they're like, you're the second ballerina ever to be on the cover of the New York Times. And I was like, yeah, but like not as a ballerina for yeah. like literally social media and how dancers were starting to advocate for themselves. And I had a colleague that I was dancing with at the time come up and like tear me down about like how big my ego had to be to go on Twitter and like, you know, self-promote. Like it was all about self-promotion and how that was like awful and egotistical. And I was like, well, I think that this is just like the new technological trend and like you're either on board or you're like left behind. Yeah. And like, now I look back at that conversation and that person is on Instagram. <laughs> and just saying, just saying. <laughs> I'm just saying. Um, and, you know, I, I think that I, like I got on board early, but I've always been somebody who's like, you know, that like, they say like, if you don't take care of yourself, nobody else is going to take care of you. Like yeah. you have to take care of yourself first. It's like on the airplane, you put the mask on yourself first, then you help someone else. Yeah, I have a hard time believing I would do that with my daughter. Yeah, <laughs> but um, I mean, as a, as a parent who's done a whole bunch of weird stuff that you never thought you would do. Yeah, um, including catching you know vomit in your hands. Like, yeah, you never think that you're gonna do that, but you know, Classic. car sick. It, you know, got, not on the seat. Not on the seat. <laughs> um, Gosh, but, I have a I have a memory of you coming and taking our class at SAP, and. I'm not sure if you were gig having gigs lined up or something, but I'll never forget. I was watching you at bar and all of a sudden you were like straight up Vaganova and like the Vaganova <laughs> fingers and arms. And I think it was like a Saturday jock class. And I remember him making some sort of snide comment about it. And I, and I just remember being like, wow, like she's really swimming against the current. And, and at the, at the, in the moment as like C2, like, you know, eyes on New York city ballet, I was like, why I didn't, I didn't understand. And, but it's stuck in my mind as such a potent memory of you because you showed up that way for yourself and you were experimenting with your artistry and you were challenging everything. Like, so I would just love, I'm bringing it up because talking about self-advocating and self-promotion and being bold and, and swimming against the current, like, where do you think that comes from for you? Well, I, so I feel like a lot of it stems from things that my teacher said to me or made me do that I look back at mm-hmm. and, and how that really shaped me as a dancer. Um, 
because Marcia said all sorts of things to me and she had this wonderful way of making you feel um, like you were letting her down <laughs> so that you would like do more pirouettes. Yeah. You know, like she would say, a Abby Stafford was in my class for a while. Um, she's a little older than me. So I was always a couple years behind her, but um, you know, she'd be, we would do, be doing attitude turns, like on day down attitude turns. And she would say, you know, everyone in here should be able to do a triple Abby, Ashley, four. <laughs> and like, we would literally do it. Like <laughs> four to the left. I'm doing it. <laughs> Go. And yeah. And um she had this way of talking that never never yelled at you, yeah. never really did that, but or she would say if she thought like, you know, you were gaining a little weight, she'd go, Honey, are you eating your vegetables? <laughs> <laughs> and so she never said the bad things to you, but like you'd be like, Am I? Am I eating my vegetables <laughs> or should I be able to do for I should. And that was before YouTube and all that. So you really didn't know that you shouldn't be able to do these things. Yeah. And yeah, so I feel like, yeah. And then one of the things she said to me, going back to what you were talking about is um, when I told her I was going to SAB, she started crying and she said, but you're such a classical dancer. And she really wanted me to go to ABT. Um, and I, I wanted to, do all the fast footwork and I wanted to go to SAB and I wanted to be a New York City Ballet and thankfully that worked out. But Florida. it was <laughs> kind of worked out. Um but she said that to me and that, like you know when I got promoted to principal and I, I started getting invitations to go do other things. And um you know, Carla Fracci called me and asked me to do this new production of Cinderella, which I never ended up getting to do because the schedule didn't work out with New York City Ballet. They wouldn't let me go. Um, but then she invited me to do Sleeping Beauty the next year. Um, and I went. And then she invited me to do Giselle. And she taught me Giselle. Wow. And I think probably when you saw me in class doing Vaganova, I was going to the Mariansky. Classic. Um, and, <laughs> and doing, yeah, just low key going to the Mariansky um, and doing Don Q. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, okay, like when you go to that festival that they have in the spring, you have to like you get paired with a dancer from there. Um, they all, usually always have like the guests paired with a, their, one of their dancers, and they do like one night donkey, one night sleeping beauty, one night Giselle. Like it's just all bam, bam, bam in a row, mm -hmm. um, and it's the coolest thing in the world because you can go to the ballet every night and see stars from all around the world guesting with the Marian skin. You're like, what is happening in my life right now that I'm like get to do this. Yeah. And um, I have always just been a firm believer in immersing myself in that. Um, I actually got when the first time I did Sleeping Beauty, um, I think Peter Martins knew that about me, that I, I actually really secretly loved classical ballet. Um, and he said to me, not too royal ballet. Oh. Like, don't like, like lift your arms up a little bit, not down here. And like every every time I did it for years after that, he was like, "Can you stop being so classical?" And, and I was like, "But it's Sleeping Beauty. Like, I, like no, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> but you made me first pass, so you might like something about it." Um, <laughs> so you know, it, it was just like I just I always really loved that um, about that and that festival in particular at the Mariinsky is amazing. I came out for my first entrance in John Q. He came out and I smacked my fan above my head and I turned around to my Tandu front and I looked at the balcony that's right there that like is basically on the stage and Benjamin Milipay was sitting right there. Oh. Didn't even know he was in Russia. And he's like, 
<laughs> I was like, oh my goodness, like, here we go. Oh, that's fab. That's so cool. So cool. Yeah. Well, I just think it's, you know, what you're speaking so much to is just dynamic within your choices because they are, they're artistic choices and they're informed by your history, clearly like deep seated, deep rooted history. And you're showing up with those things in a house of Balanchine and that's worked well for you, but I'm sure it wasn't always an easy road. Um, but it's, it was, there was a, there was a lot of like, you know, uh, like I, I, I was asked the question, like, do you really want to be here at one point? Cause I was getting a lot of offers to go do a lot of classical things. And I did it for a number of years, right in a row, um, to the point where I had like a three-year visa to Russia. <laughs> wow. Um, and, um, and I was like, what are you talking about? You know, cause I kept asking to leave and like going to do things. And I, you know, I, I kind of equate it to like my colleagues who have gone and done Broadway, who have that, like, mm. like I, I can't sing like that so like uh, I need very heavy coaching for that which is not really <laughs> worth it um but like going to do that like you know like Robbie Fairchild like unconventional needed to go do that Megan needed to go do that Gina Pasbogan needs to go do that and um that's great I needed to go do this that's like my version of going um and like I don't think I would have felt fulfilled in my career if I hadn't gone and done those things. Yeah. Um, you know, like doing Giselle, like that was like a high watermark for me getting to, you know, st stand in the studio and like not even dancing, just watching Carla Fracci do the magazine mm -hmm. and literally crying. She was crying in the studio every time. Oh. And be and like, I didn't even get to do it. I was just like stunned <laughs> every day watching her. And you know, this like, I don't think my career, it definitely wouldn't have been the same without it, but it's enriched what, how I think about everything else I do because I got to do that. Then I really do enjoy those Balanchine and Robbins and other things at New York City Ballet that we we do so much of. Um, I'm also somebody who like, if we do a ballet and I have to do four shows of it, I'm like, by the fourth one, I'm like, oh, yeah. the next ballet. And I, we're, oh gosh, we're kind Broadway of, would not be for you then. <laughs> no, we're kind of, we're, I mean, we're kind of programmed that way that, you know, there, you know, we do it and we go. And when you do it three seasons in a row, I'm like, oh my gosh, we have this ballet again. Yeah. Didn't we just do this? Even though it was three months ago, you're like, I just need one rehearsal. Thank you. I'm good. <laughs> I'm curious to ask, um, sort of in regards to when you brought up your daughter and, you know, my brother, he always used to say to me, he has a, he has a son now and he would always be like, I'm never letting my child do ballet. Like watching what you went through, I would, you know, he's like, it's the, he's like, I'd rather put them in football. I'd rather put them in this, you know, like other things that parents are typically fearful of. And, you know, I always pushed back. And then I think I got into this stage of my life and I was like, Oh yeah, I don't think I'm necessarily going to be bringing home the ballet slippers, but yeah, I probably will. I, who am I kidding? <laughs> but I what I wanted to say was just like the question, I guess, is I'm just curious to know how motherhood just changed you as a dancer like that is a huge thing anytime I witnessed a woman first of all witnessing my friends give birth to kids and like they're not having to go back into the ballet studio after that like just the enormous change transformation physically emotionally I'm just curious to know how that was for you 
Well, I think that, um, you know, I, I got a lot of flack for how long I danced and what I was doing when I was pregnant. Um, you know, I got wet days. Yeah. I mean that literally I got like 20,000 more followers on Instagram in a day and it was picked up by ESPN.com and people magazine. And like, I, like I had no idea, like yeah. no idea. Um, I, I was just like posting a dance video. Like, <laughs> I like, I have no gauge on what's going to go viral or not. Like I really not very good at that. Um, but I, I, I mean, from the beginning of the pregnancy, I didn't want to treat my pregnancy like it was something bad or that I was going against the current or it wasn't normal. Um, and, you know, we talk a lot, especially in New York City Ballet, about how not a lot of people had babies. And I think that, like, when you actually look at the numbers, it's not really true. It's just that nobody talked about it. You don't see any pictures of these, you know, retired dancers from when they were pregnant in a leotard and yeah. point shoes. And, um, you know, I thought this is a great way actually to use my social media is to normalize mm -hmm. somebody. I was 32 um, and normalize that this is a normal age to have a baby. And just because I am a dancer doesn't mean that I can't do this now. Right. And I, cause I think a lot of dancers wait until they're much older yeah. as well. And um, I always I always wanted to be a mom and I didn't care what anybody thought about that. And, um, it, you know, for me, I, I danced until my due date on point. Um, <laughs> at about five, I danced on stage until I was halfway through. I was 20 weeks. Uh, on the day Amazing. of my last performance, I turned 20 weeks pregnant. I, I was doing the Sugar Plum Fairy. Um, were you I, showing? I definitely. Um, I, I love you. So I think it was like a week or two before that I had two dew drops. And I have a picture with my husband on stage after. And there's a little something there. Uh, I look like my belly's hanging out. Yeah. <laughs> you had a big um, gulp of water. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I like when I was, like, I did Swan Lake when I was nine weeks pregnant, which I highly do not recommend to anybody because the first trimester you are exhausted and I did my dress rehearsal and I finished my black swan variation I did my chenet I did a little double step up and I went down and I just put my hands on my hips and I went I am so tired <laughs> like in front of everyone because I just like couldn't even like I just needed to get that out yeah. and then you know, Peter Marnes was like, okay, well, you don't like, you've done Swan like a million times before. Like you don't even have to finish this rehearsal. Like you're fine. And it was like, no. And I re remember walking back and I came out and I did my 32 foot days and I finished the fourth act. And, like I changed into my white swan. I did my fourth act and I probably slept like the whole next day. Yeah. Um, and my husband said to me after the first show, um, I, I went to sleep, but he was up all night because I was like crying in my sleep because I was so achy and I was so tired that I just couldn't even sleep like a normal person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I think that with being pregnant and, and still dancing, I got a lot of people going like, that's not safe for you. That's not safe for the baby. What if you fall and blah, blah, blah. And like your weight has changed so much. And I was like, the baby doesn't like pop out like this. And like, all of a sudden my weight is, is different. Yeah. I'm like, I'm here every day with my growing body, getting used to it every day. And this is kind of what you've done your entire career. Like, 
when somebody fixes your alignment and all of a sudden your balance is different, like you yeah. don't fall down. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know? You are like, just yeah. such an incredible athlete. Like I do fall down. Correction, I do fall down. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'm just like cracking up. Like you really are. I mean, I have, I adore you right now for normalizing and acting as though it's no big thing. And I hate you. <laughs> like, I think it's so incredible and you are so incredible. Well, I had like, a, you know, after I gave birth, I had like kind of normal people come after me on yeah. my social media about like how, what I was doing was not normal. And, you know, like, I shouldn't advocate too much because like normal people don't do this. And my response is I'm not a normal person. Yeah. Like, I, yeah. I, I, I'm a professional athlete. Right. And I also have, and I make it very clear that I have, you know, a team of doctors and physical therapists and a support system that allows me to go on that crazy journey of, oh my gosh, I just gave birth to, um, I have to be back on stage in five months. Yeah. Right. Also, you you're know. not with your pregnant belly rolling around doing a contemporary solo. <laughs> no, I'm upright. My arabesque is about 45 degrees. Yeah. Right. That's I'm incredible. A double pirouette. Yeah. <laughs> it's so fantastic. Like, I just think I don't, I don't know. I've spoken with a few like of my friends when they were pregnant or after they had just given birth and they were like, it's so frustrating. Like nobody normalizes like they show this glittering image of this pregnant woman on a magazine cover. And the reality is something so different, but I think what's so cool about what you embodied was just that you were, you were, you were embodying motherhood and pregnancy in the way that, that honors your, who you are. Like no one has to do it one way and be one thing and be the glittering image of the woman who's just lying around all day eating grapes. Like you, or I don't know if that's a pregnancy food, whatever you were being true I to mean, who you are. Yeah. I mean, I posted like about my birth. My birth was really awful. Like I ended up having mm -hmm. a C-section after 43 hours of labor and oh. like I, I, I was induced, I was in a, a huge amount of pain. My epidurals failed and um, you know, I was having contractions that were 20 times the strength of normal ones and screaming and yeah, it was awful. It was really awful. And I posted about that. I posted pictures of myself with like my red face, like pulling out and like, you know, like doing the thing, like, like trying to get back and being like, yeah. okay, I just did like a Barry's boot camp, and now I'm rolling out because I literally can't walk. Yeah. yeah. Um, and you know, I I tried to post that, and you know, it's that like I did. I like I had a super easy pregnancy actually, and like you know, everybody loves to hate when things are easy for others, and I'm like, yeah, I did, but like my birth was literally two days of absolute hell. Yeah. yeah. Like my daughter's middle name is Storm for a reason. Violet <laughs> oh, Storm, what a sweetheart. You know, it's funny, like, it's not funny. It's, it's, it's this kind of like very complicated thing of being a public figure where you're saying here, here is an invitation to put a target on my front and on my back. And I will yep. be out here living and loving and laughing and breaking and falling. And all you guys have to do is judge me for it but I'm doing yeah. it for your entertainment. Like it's, it's such a fascinating thing when we speak with big public figures that are performing artists or Olympic athletes. And it's just like, you're subjecting yourselves to this type of public scrutiny 
because of something that you love so much that you've been able to build an incredibly successful career out of that has given you this platform to share a very, very niche and singular experience and journey and to show behind the scenes of that. But don't, don't be human. God forbid. God forbid you be human. It's just outrageous. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like, so, you know, I get the, the thing where it's like, you never post anything bad. Like you're always like sunshine and rainbows. And I'm like, well, not really. Like I post like political statements a lot that are not sunshine and rainbows. And, you know, there's, but there's, you know, I'm processing my own stuff and I don't need to air my dirty laundry to you. You know, I also, you know, I've got my therapist to do that with, and <laughs> mm-hmm. I I don't feel comfortable doing that. But I also, you know, I, I feel like very strongly that the ballet culture is changing and I'm part of that change. I think we're all part of that positive change that's going on. Like you guys doing your podcast is helping people who are listening to, you know, hear what it's really like, but with a positive spin. And that's what I feel like about my Instagram. And honestly, most of the time I just post about my cats now. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so when I'm, when I'm kind of curious to ask you is, like looking back on your career from where you stand now or the history and, and for where you're headed, like what is the thing that you look back on and you go, I, I wish I could have changed that or I'm, you're inspired to sort of, I don't know, rewrite moving forward. Like, is there something, a theme or a challenge that you faced that you've metabolized now in a new way? Um, I think that it really is for me it's it's being complicit in a bad culture mm-hmm. and i there are some really bad things that happen to me and i wish that um and i know that they happen to other women after me mm-hmm. and i wish that i had had the courage to speak up i think if i had spoken up i would not have my career yeah um i think i just wouldn't I, I wouldn't be at the New York City Ballet anymore. And I did it, you know, silent out of self-preservation. And I think a lot of people were, but what weighs on me the most is the guilt that I feel that other people went through the same thing and they have to process it now too. Yeah. Um, but there's so, almost power in that, you know, there's power in the acknowledgement of that now because you did have the career you had to have the voice you have now to have the impact you have now that you didn't have then, you know? So. Yeah. I mean, I just, I wish too, that there was more support actually in the dance world currently for the people who are able to talk about what happened. Yeah. And we don't quite have that yet. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I, I do have a lot of support. I have a really good support system. Um, but there are a lot of people on the other side who just like want things to be left alone and to move on. Yeah. And for somebody like me, I can't move on unless it changes and unless I can process that and I can live with my actions. Yeah. And things, you know, actions that were done to me. And um, I, I think we have a long way to go. Um, yeah. But I think it's, it's turning in a positive direction. Um, but that is my one, my one big regret is that, um, I didn't find my, my courage Mm -hmm. until a lot later, but you're right. Like, you know, now I, I have a bigger platform back then I had 
I didn't have a leg to stand on yeah. um, in that way. And my story probably would have never been told. Exactly. Uh, well, you're certainly not squandering the the volume or the stage that you stand on, Ashley. I think it's just, I mean, it gives me so much hope for our future daughters. <laughs> it's really, truly. Yes. I mean, that's what I, like, I tell people when I, you know, I advocate for women, I advocate for people of color, I advocate, advocate for, you know, you know, whatever sexual identity or gender you want. Yeah. <laughs> um, Cause it's not up to us. It's up to the individual. And um, when I, when I do that, I just, I say, you know, I, I'm at a point in my life where um, like people listen to what I have to say. And so I have to be very careful about what I say and what mm -hmm. I do, but I would rather advocate for others um, than, you know, just be like, look at me dancing. But yeah. then, then again, it's like, you know, you know, when you're doing that social media, walking that line is, you know, what do you get the most eyeballs on mm -hmm. a video of you dancing? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, trying to put a positive message in things like that too, like it posted for Thanksgiving and posted like when I was in the parade last year. And, mm -hmm. but at the end, I'm like, let's not forget what this holiday really is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Re reflect on that, like happy Thanksgiving. I'm thankful for all of these things. Mm -hmm but also take time to remember how this holiday started. Yeah. Yeah. Before we wrap, can you just plug your project for us and also the book that you wrote? No, no big deal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, so Ashley Bowder project is a arts collaborative, um, dedicated to promoting people of color, um, people of different gender identities and women, um, in creative, roles like choreography and musical composition because people um, in those categories are so underserved and underrepresented and don't get the opportunities. So I'm a small operation, but I work as a stepping stone and a platform for people to be seen and heard. Amazing. Um, and I, yeah, I wrote a book that came out last year, a children's book for ages four to seven called Welcome to Ballet School, but it is all about diversity and inclusion. Um, Every kid looks different. Um, they have a different ethnic background and um, they were actually based on um, classmates of Violet. Violet is in the book and um, they were just her friends at school. Um, so, <laughs> you know, she went to a wonderfully diverse school. And so I just kind of stole their names with permission from their parents and put them in my book and told the illustrator what they look like. And um, it's, the boys wear tutus, the girls wear tunics, and the girls wear tutus and the boys wear tunics and they get to take ballet class and do the story of the Sleeping Beauty and they get to play whatever character they want regardless of what characters they quote unquote should or traditionally play. I love Amazing. that so much. That's so fabulous. I'm gonna be buying that for my niece for Christmas. <laughs> Perfect <laughs> holiday lineup. Um, I'm just thinking back again to that moment of being 14 and watching you at the bar. And I just want to thank you for the permission that you gave me in that moment. I certainly didn't realize it at the time, but I've, you know, 15 years later, I'm still here thinking about it. And there's just so many different ways to advocate for change. There's so many different ways to use your voice in peaceful and powerful ways and to show up authentically in your artistry, even when it's being questioned, even when it's being 
shamed or judged or, you know, quantified by um, people that have never done ballet before for the New York times, <laughs> you, you continue, you've never, you've never strayed from who you are as an authentic person. And that has informed your artistry in the most beautifully unique and powerful way. So honor you. You're amazing. Oh, thank you. You just boosted me for the day. Feel good. <laughs> thank you so much, Ashley. Thank you. We love you. Thanks for coming. Thank you. Bye. Want to connect further with our community at Artists Becoming? Rate and review this podcast and subscribe to stay on top of our weekly guest artist conversations and our small chats, big topics. Check out www.artistbecoming.com to learn more about our monthly subscription membership filled with on-demand guided meditation and yummy yoga practices to support your unique journey as a performing artist. Follow along on Instagram at artistbecoming for sneak peeks and inspiring content and DM us the dream artists, athletes, performers, psychologists that you'd love to hear from or topics you'd like for us to unpack. Sharing is caring, so fire up that group chat, share to your stories, comment, share, 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 and just stay connected with us. We are here for your becoming.